everyone. Welcome to Almost 30. Welcome to Almost 30. We're so glad you're here. However, you're listening. We have you're another Mercury retrograde coming up. Driving, in the fall. You're partying. In Libra. <laughs> and then we're sleeping. Venus retrograde at the end of the year. We're so happy to have you. My name so is Crystal Williams. That, this is really Lindsay Simsic. About We've been doing this going for like five in, years now. And we started it in our Saturn return. Reconnecting with what you love. We started this during our Saturn return when we felt like we were a little lost. We wanted to find support in community and conversation. So that's going to be very interesting. That's going to take us into 2022. I'm sure and then we there also a lot have of you in that time Pisces. and or just coming out and of it and Jupiter just and feeling like this amazing yeah, transit exhausted and so filled with doubt us and, and fear and, us and feeling Jupiter's like you should know more ruler of Pisces. And so, so it's at home Krista and really I just through Pisces. conversations with guests and with one another just and it'll really help us access stay our curious dreams and learning all the time possible, and evolving together in the community aspect of almost 30 is I think what makes us really unique so really it's like December I feel like there's going to be like a lot of shifting in the Collective, much, towards um, love, towards all. expansion, and just kind of as a side note, we're opening okay up our membership again, soon. So that is kind of like okay our right now. for our and community that, that where is we coming. That's have live hangs with one another. We have workshops and we have uh, meditations and affirmations, daily journal prompts and resources, and just the ability to connect with one another. Mm, it's beautiful. I cannot wait. We had Jill Winterstein on camp last year. Yes. She opened up and did a forecast for astrology for 2021, which felt very refreshing compared uh-huh. to 2020. <laughs> and she did such a beautiful job and she's such a friend of the pod. She was on our show probably three years ago mm-hmm. as well. I have no idea what we talked about. It was so long. <laughs> but if you guys want, want insight into that one, you can listen to that. And then also in our membership, if yes. you're a member, you can get access to her very special workshop now. Yeah. So astrology is something that we know you guys love to talk mm-hmm. about and learn more about. I feel like it's always fascinating to just learn more about you uh, through these different um, modalities. And so astrology is one that Krista and I have just found so many like confirmations and just kind of like confidence in. I think just knowing uh, about our not only sun, moon, and rising signs, but also our north node and our south node, as well as different transits happening at this moment. It's just, it's pretty accurate and very fascinating. And Jill is uh, our go-to. She is an expert in astrology. She also just has her whole moon journal mm-hmm. business, which are so beautiful. So through the cycles of the moon, she is putting out monthly and sometimes twice monthly um, journals to kind of facilitate your healing and reflection during and manifestations during these times. Yeah, she's such a writer. Yes. Dude, so much writing. Could write for I'm days. Like, How do you do that? <laughs> How do you do that? But I, it's so interesting with astrology because we <laughs> forget which it was, we were interviewed on a podcast like a year ago now. Mm-hmm. They were like, so what is this thing? It was about the grand conjunction. They're like, what is the grand conjunction? And we were like tripping over our words. <laughs> we were like, it's very important. <laughs> it's, Let uh, me tell you a it's, little uh, thing. You, you ask for something and you, you, you manifest and you release. <laughs> We literally had no idea. And I was like, damn, I want to be clear that we're, I was like, I don't know how to make it clear that we're not astrologers. We are not astrologers. Actually, I actually, I don't know much at all, but was, and on that point, the reason why I'm bringing this up, I've been really into the Hermetica lately, which is 
hermetic philosophy, which is about Thoth. It's like her, Hermes Trismegistus, mm-hmm. who is seen as the creator of astrology. Thoth was the Thoth is the same person as Hermes Trismegistus, who was the creator of astrology. And it's actually been fascinating to sort of come at it from like the Egyptian perspective mm. to understand astrology more deeply because I never felt like I connected with, I haven't connected with astrology very deeply because I haven't understood more about it. Mm. And I sort of saw it from the way of like the new age that people have it now. And I didn't understand the history of it. And so reading the Hermetica has actually been really beautiful to understand astrology in that way. And in the Hermetica, it is really focused on astrology being the map for someone's purpose. And to see that and to really get confirmation from Thoth, who is someone I read about quite often, and the Hermetica is a book I really respect, has been kind of reinvigorated my love mm-hmm. for astrology. You have to understand the origin. I yes. feel like just allows you to trust yes. it a little bit more as well. I think there's in history, there's a few different origins. You know, it's kind of like tarot sure. where they're like, oh, it's originated in all these different places. But the Hermetica, you know, says it was like channeled through Thoth, basically. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know much either. I was getting my, I think I, in the interview with Jill, I was like, oh, so at your core, you're your son. Yes. I was thinking I was presenting that to the world and yes. I was actually really- you're Like, that's my mask. Wanting to become my rising and she just, you know, cleaned that up. And I understand now that my son is my core and the rising is basically upon first impression. Mm-hmm. Like that is what you present to people. It was funny too, because when I told her, I think it was on her their stories, uh, spirit daughter stories. But when we told her mine is uh, Pisces sun, Sagittarius <laughs> moon, she's like, oh, that's hard. And I was like, she's like, wow. She's like, wow. But I thought it was interesting because I think with astrology, from my perspective, I think most people use it as a way to love themselves in a lot of ways. Yes. And I know my chart well. I don't really know astrology, but I know my chart well, as most people do, because you're trying to understand yourself always. And I felt like I've looked at my chart and been like, my chart's sick. I know. Totally. You know, like, like, so when she said that, I was like, oh, that's so interesting because I think I love that. <laughs> I love that, my chart. Like, I just was like, but, you know, from an astrologer's perspective, it's a little more zoomed out than like yes. just looking for the positive aspects yes. of how you can define and describe yourself. And it's funny you know, if you're looking at my chart and Krista's chart next to each other or laid over top of one another, the the circle chart, it's almost like the concentration is they're like they're, opposites. They're, they're like mirror. They're like mirrored. Yeah. They're mirrored. In a way. Where her, I don't even know what they're called. Maybe it's like the lines are are denser on one side of mine and then they're denser on the other side of yours. Yes, yin yang. Don't know what that means. Yes. <laughs> Welcome to our... So guys, please purchase our course <laughs> on, on astrology. astrology called Lines, Dense, <laughs> Dense Lines, Undense Lines. <laughs> That's our course. Um, oh. But yeah, this one's such a really... It's just such a fun one with Jill. We talked a lot about the sun rising and moon, just kind of give a refresher for, mm-hmm. for all of us to understand that more deeply. And then we talked a lot about her new journal that she has coming out, which is the five minute journal in a sense that has profoundly impacted her. We talk about cancer season, which is what we're in right now. So we go into detail about what's going on there. We talk about the eclipses mm-hmm. that 
that mm-hmm. are happening this year. And then um, we did a refresh on the rest of 2021 astrology. So this is just like a beautiful fluid conversation with her um, that we really, really loved. Yeah. Thank you so much, Jill, for joining us again. You can learn more and get her journals and workbooks at spiritdaughter.com. You can follow her on Instagram one of my favorite Instagrams in the game at Spirit Daughter. And if you love this episode, it would mean the world if you shared it with a friend, you know, whether it's just texting it to them or maybe sharing on Instagram or messaging it to them. That is just how we spread this information. And I think you will just find it really fulfilling to hear from a friend that, wow, that episode really made an impact on me. It made me Mm -hmm. feel good. And I learned more about myself. So spread the love. We appreciate it. We appreciate it. And we'll see you guys at camp happening on July 24th. It's going to be incredible. It's free. It's like a free virtual wellness event that we have for our community. We had one in January of 2021. We had a few thousand people in attendance and we will definitely reach that if not more this year. And people said it's one of their favorite parts or things that we've ever done Mm -hmm. just because of the energy, the information. It's really, really new paradigm. And the speakers and teachers and healers that we have joining are incredible. Yeah. You can check out the lineup uh, at almost30.com slash camp, including Africa Brooke and Roddy Devlukiashetti and Debbie Brown and many more. So check it out. It's free. Reserve your spot now. We will see you on the other side of this episode. Enjoy. Thank you so much. All right. Well, we're talking about all the signs that Jill is because she loves her chart so much. So Leo season's the best because Jill's a Leo. So <laughs> Spirit Daughter's back in the house. And um, we were actually just talking about, so we're talking about we're in cancer season now. And then we're talking about Leo season coming up. Why But why does everyone love Leo season? Uh, everybody, I have a few I have many thoughts about why people love Leo season. I think Leos personally love their sign. Every Leo, Mm -hmm. myself included, I've ever met is very, they know their sign, first of all, even at a young age, uh, because it's like the lion. Mm -hmm. So it's fun. When you're a kid, you're like, I'm the lion, roar. I mean, my two-year-old loves, he's a Leo and he points at the lion and he just like, roar, you know? And he hasn't connected the dots yet, but little kids love lions. Um, So I think it starts from an early age that Leos actually just love their sign. Um, Every Leo I've ever met is like, I'm a Leo. We actually once (laughs) held this huge uh, full new moon circle at Wanderlust years ago and had like 75 people in it. And we went around the circle and we're like, what's your sign? You know, and everybody's like, I'm a Pisces, I'm a Virgo. And every time we got to Leo, they they wave their hand and go, I'm a Leo. (laughs) My God, so true. Every Leo. So true. I do feel like there are signs that like have shame around them. They're like, I'm a Gemini. Like a Gemini. Yeah, they're like, I'm a Gemini. Yeah, there's some signs that get bad reps. I don't think there's any good signs or bad signs. I think they're they're equal in nature. They all have their highs and low sides, which we can talk about later. But um, yeah, Leo's, they love being Leo. But then Leo's season itself comes at the height of summer, comes in August, everybody. Vacationing, Leo's known that time of year is just known for for enjoying life, celebrating life, having fun, relaxing, taking off, uh, finding your joy. Which Leo is so much about finding the joy of the heart, you know, heart's mm. joy. And so I think it's just you know known that like it's August, it's Leo season. Yay, let's party, let's have fun, let's hang out with our friends. 
So, you know, it's become this time that everybody gets really excited about whether they're a Leo or not. It is, at Spirit Daughter, it's our um, best-selling issue ever. Really? Wow. And I'm always like, is that because I'm promoting it differently? Or, or <laughs> yeah, my birthday like, cake. Because yes. I'm a Leo. Like, what's the marketing angle here? You're like, did y'all see the Leo bunk? <laughs> Why is but, this Leo season And Leos are be? stuck up, so they want to read about themselves. <laughs> <laughs> they're very much about themselves now. Yes. <laughs> Why is this Leo season different? Or, or really good? Uh, so this saying. Leo season, I think is particularly special because we have two full moons in Aquarius. So every sun season has its full moon and its opposing sign. So in cancer season, we have the Capricorn full moon. Uh, Well, you know, next season, uh, which will be Virgo, we have the Pisces full moon. So the the 12 signs come in pairs. They come in opposing pairs. Um, So every sign has another sign that opposes it in the sky or on the zodiac wheel. And so for Leo, it's opposing sign is Aquarius. And so normally any other year, we'd have one full moon in Aquarius. This year, we have two full moons in Aquarius, uh, which is a very special and rare event. We're getting this like double dose of Aquarian energy uh, on the full moons. And then also the new moon in Leo, which is August 8th, uh, occurs at the peak of Lionsgate. And Lionsgate is this special time uh, that this like portal basically opens and we get downloads of information from the cosmos. And the peak of Lionsgate every year uh, is on August 8th. And that is when the new moon in Leo uh, happens to occur Mm -hmm. this year. Is that, so the Lionsgate portal, is there something with like the location of the earth relative to the moon or sun that gives a thinning of the veil or what exactly is It's the alignment that? of the star Sirius. So okay. it's actually Sirius is aligned at, the, at that point with the sun and then also the galactic center, which the galactic center is the point that the entire Milky Way revolves around. And is so- Is that in the center of the sun? The galactic center? Yeah. No, it's the center of the Milky Way. So wow. it's like everything, everything revolves around wow. this point. Uh, you can think of it as like- the center of the universe as we know it. <laughs> is it like wow. a black hole? It's not really a black hole, uh, but it's just, you know, it's the it's the yeah. center. I don't think an actual black hole is there wow. in terms of, you know, definition of black holes. Uh, but yeah, so it's lined up with the star Sirius, lined up with the sun uh, and the earth. So earth, sun, and they're all in alignment. And this is what um, the great pyramids were built around. Uh, you know, the Sphinx in Egypt is said to hold up uh, the Lion's Gate to hold it open. Uh, back then, it also coincided with the overflowing of the Nile River, so it was correlated with abundance and fertility. So this period of time has long been celebrated for for thousands of years, and so it's a really special time. It's thought to bring in information from the Star Series. The star Series looks like a blue sun, right? So it like rises mm-hmm. with the sun. So, you know, mm-hmm. if you if you have a good vantage point, right, there, it looks like there's like two suns in the sky, right? a blue one and a golden oh. one. I think there's been times in histories where they've written about two suns. Yes, that's what they're talking about. Wow. Yeah, okay. it's when Sirius becomes the morning star. Got it. Right? So oh. a morning star rises with the sun. Sometimes Venus is a morning star, Mercury. So it's when Sirius becomes the morning star. Wow. But yeah, and so it's like we get all this information that can advance um humans forward, can advance society forward. You know, this information can help evolve us, raise our vibration. Wow. And what could people do to 
like best receive that information? So are there like, is it a particular meditation or intention setting? Yeah. I mean, meditation is the the best, I yeah. think, um, early in the morning, like right when the sun's rising. I'm meditating and really just opening yourself up to the information. Like that's half of it. Just mm-hmm. being like, I am open to receiving information because this is kind of like far out there. Mm-hmm. This is not- the other half what is ayahuasca. Tons of ayahuasca. You just take a little ayah. <laughs> this is, you know, this is not for everybody. <laughs> so, I mean, it is for everybody, but there's not everybody who's going to drink this particular shade of Kool-Aid, right? Yes. Uh, so, you know, that's part of it is just being open to the possibility that information can rain down through light codes, right? So just opening your mind to that is half the battle and be willing to meditate and sit and sit with that openness. And then, you know, also acknowledge like, oh, I'm having an aha moment. Oh, there's a flash of insight coming through. Let me write this down. I have no idea what it means, but let me write it down. And I always say it's best to um, meditate with some Lemurian quartz. Mm. Lemurian, um, I don't know if you guys have seen mm-hmm. that. It's, you know, it has the ridges along the sides and you can actually scrape your thumb down the ridges and that activates the knowledge that's held mm. in the courts. So it's said that ancient civilizations actually coded their knowledge in these keys on in these Lemurian courses. Lemurian. Uh, the Lemurians. Wow. wow. Yeah. So you can hold one, activate it. Is there an meditate. Atlantean quartz? Is there what? Is there like an Atlantean stone crystal? Not that I... Because isn't that interesting that. how there's like Lemurian? But I thought the Atlanteans were ones that used crystal technology. They did. They did. Yeah. But I can't think of like one that is particularly here now that is associated with something I know. that they did as a society. It's weird. In Law it. of One, they talk a lot about the Atlanteans and they talk about the Atlanteans in the fact of the reason why they destroyed themselves was because they were almost too advanced and they were using crystal technology and they started to use it in ways that was not in service for the greatest good. Hmm. And their crystal technology was like too advanced. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? That's really interesting. Mm. I know. Crystals and it's interesting too that we, for so long, we're like fake. Atlantis is fake. We're like myth. And then now it's kind of like, it's actually was, and Lumeria was. Mm -hmm. You know, so many things that we, and I think when I do more historical research just with like ancient aliens or whatever, you realize how much more of myth was actually true Mm -hmm. and how they were writing more literally than people actually think Mm -hmm. in a lot of different Mm -hmm. ways. Yeah, no, absolutely. And we just weren't caught up to it. Like what we have going on right now we're focused on current events, our current technology, our current knowledge. Yes. And there is other knowledge out there. And we and we have been repeating cycles for thousands and thousands of years. So it's like knowledge surfaces and then people evolve out of it and then it surfaces again and then people evolve out of it. And it, it, the execution of that energy is different, whatever civilization we're dealing with, but it's just this ongoing cycle mm-hmm. of the the wisdom of the universe that just keeps coming up, manifesting, evolving, manifesting, evolving, just ongoing cycles. Mm. Like everything in the universe, mm-hmm. just an ongoing cycle. With where we find ourselves now, so we're halfway through 2021, is there a particular cycle or pattern that you see astrologically kind of coming up or coming, yeah, coming up maybe in the second half of the year that we can be aware of? Yeah, I mean, there's lots going on right now. I mean, we're dealing with some major shifts and changes, especially with Aquarius. Uh, we just entered the Air Age, which I think, have you guys, do we talk about this, mm-hmm. the Air Age? Yeah, um, a little bit. I, don't, I couldn't remember if we talked about it at your retreat back in January, but mm-hmm. we just started the Air Age, which 
uh, is not the same thing as the age of Aquarius, but it is helping us embrace the age of Aquarius. Uh, the air age basically will go for, on for the next 200 years, and it's a planetary age. So it it got kicked off by the Great Conjunction in December, which everybody was talking about when Saturn and Jupiter met in Aquarius, and they will meet in air signs for the next 200 years. They meet every 20 years. And so we're ushering in this air age, which is taking us out of an earth age. And so air really frees up our mind. It allows us connect uh, more with other people. Our air signs are Gemini and Libra and Aquarius. So when we think of those signs, we're thinking about uh, connection, talking to one another. Uh, this is, you know, what we're doing right now is very air. Uh, but it also helps us advance our technology in the realms of communication. And so information can travel more quickly, more accurately. Uh, and then we also can create new ways to communicate when we have the element of air helping us. Mm. So we're just sort of starting this new air age. And and it could really shift a lot of the way that we use our technology and the way that we communicate with each other and people all over the world. And also, I think the way we talk about energy and understand energy and understand things like vibration and frequency and energetic field. Um, and that's where we get into the age of Aquarius because the age of Aquarius is very much all about those things as well. And so the air age is helping give us the information we need uh, to go into the age of Aquarius, uh, which will, the age of Aquarius ages go for 2000 years. So we just left Pisces. We were in Pisces for 2000 years. Now we're going into age of Aquarius for 2000 years. So is age, the astrology, is that one lineage or of thought? And then is air like a different, is one Eastern Western is one, like where does air come from? And then where does like the astrology come from? Well, the air age, that's, I mean, that's astrology. That's, it's a planetary age. Got it. So okay. we're dealing with the position of planets. You know, we're dealing with the position of Saturn and Jupiter, uh, in this particular example, meeting in air signs. Um, and the larger planets affect us more greatly. Um, so, you know, everybody talks, everybody talks about Mercury and Venus, uh, Mercury retrograde, but they move, they move quickly. The inner planets move much more quickly. So they affect us, but they affect us, um, you know, it comes in and out. Whereas the outer planets like Saturn affect us to a much greater degree because they move more slowly. So they're in a sign for longer. And so, you know, Saturn will be in a sign for two and a half years. And so that energy affects us more greatly than, say, like Mercury that mm -hmm. can switch signs every three weeks. Uh, so, you know, we're, when we're talking about an air age, we're talking about planets. When we're talking about, um, like, the age of Aquarius or the age of the 2000, um, that's more about where the sun is positioned during the vernal or spring equinox. So that's an actual, like, positioning in the sky. And it, it moves backwards. So it started in Aries, you know, and that's mm -hmm. why the spring equinox is the start of Aries season. And then it moved back to Pisces and now it's shifting back to Aquarius. So that technically will be where the sun's positioned on the vernal equinox. I feel like it's cool that we're alive. I know. When it changed. I know. Like, what's the significance of like <laughs> experiencing that transition mm -hmm. of age? Um, I, I think, you know, with any transformation, it's incredibly uncomfortable, i.e. everything we've gone through the last mm -hmm. year. And so the start of the age of Aquarius, like it's the actual start of it is much debated, like when it's actually starting. It's this hot topic among astrologers, which I won't get into the, the details of that. You're like, I'm right. You're wrong. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Uh, but some people have argued that it started in 2011. Um, and, you know, I, and some people are arguing that's starting now and and it's starting now because it's been ushered in by mm -hmm. um this 
huge, uncomfortable situation and crisis, crises um, that we've all been dealing with. And, you know, all transformation, it's it's hard. It's uncomfortable. It, But that's what opens our minds to different perspectives. That's what shifts us out of old patterns. It's like to break through our old habits you know, we have to go into places that we don't want to go into. Mm -hmm. If you've ever done any personal transformation, you know that, you know, it's not easy. It's not an easy road to transform. Uh, So, you know, it's, it's the writings on the wall. I feel like with this year and last year um, that this is the time that we're really transforming as a society into the age of Aquarius, uh, which hopefully is is as great as, you know, the hippies in the sixties predicted. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I always think of uh, that song. mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't sing it because you will never get out of your head. (laughs) So true. (laughs) And I feel like that's why, you know, with Leo season coming up and we have the two full moons in Aquarius, we're getting this double dose of Aquarian energy to really Mm -hmm. reinforce some of these things. Like Mm -hmm. we're ready as a society to move into the age of Aquarius and to really embrace it. Mm -hmm. And it's been a painful process, but I feel that we're there. What does that mean, I guess? Like with the age of Aquarius, we're ready to move into it. What does that mean our society should be like or how should we engage with it? Well, the, so there's a couple ways to look at it. So the the highest vibration of Aquarius and Leo, right? Supposing sign uh, is love, is unconditional love for all beings and everybody on this planet. Um, this, this is really the true essence of Aquarius is that everybody is valued for their uniqueness. We're not trying to make anybody be like anybody else. Um, so we see differences, we understand them, we embrace them, we value them. Uh, but then we also see everybody as equal and worthy of everything that society has to offer. Mm-hmm. And this is really the highest vision of, of Aquarian energy, right? There, there's, you know, it's, it's the epitome of like the John Lennon Imagine mm-hmm. song. But in, in real life, you know, mm-hmm. in real time, um, you know, right here. And where everybody, we're not expecting everybody to be the same, we're, you know, because Aquarius is individual, you know, it's individual identity. And Aquarius is a very interesting energy because it is a bit dual in nature um, because of it. it has two rulers, Saturn and Uranus, um, which I think you love the way I say Uranus. I, I do. <laughs> it's the Australian way. Uranus. Uranus. <laughs> Because <laughs> Saturn um, really gives us the the collective vibe, right? So Saturn rules government, you know, regulations, right? So that part of Aquarius goes, hey, we're we have to all work together in a group mm. dynamic. Um, we are a collective. We have a collective consciousness. Um, we do need like rules. We do need things that structure society. And Uranus goes, okay, but let's break everything that wasn't working for everybody. You know, so there's some systems and some structures in place that weren't working for everybody in society. So Uranus is the thing that comes, it's like an earthquake, the lightning bolt comes and shakes everything up, right? So that's what that's what we're seeing is that Aquarian energy from the Uranus side come in and go, okay, this, this, this structure's got to go. This system has to go. This person has to go. This is not working. Um, let's, let's make it work for everybody because the highest manifestation of Aquarius is that we all get to be our individual selves. Mm-hmm. We all get to embrace our personal freedom to be who we really are at our core mm. and and do that in every situation without feeling judged or blamed. We, we want to feel empowered to be ourselves and we want to empower everybody else around us to truly be themselves mm. and so that they don't feel judged in any way. 
And and then also everybody's like involved in society, right? So everybody's together in mm-hmm. the collective, working together, being their individual selves, honoring each other's brilliance and genius, right? Aquarius is, represents our genius, our imagination, our ability to invent um, and have have visions of the future. So we're, we're working together. We're bringing forth our visions of the future and honoring everybody for their visions. And then, you know, saying, okay, like let's, let's all go together in this direction because mm. it works for everybody. Mm. Ooh, I, I like that, that world. Yeah. Age like of Aquarius. Is, is astrology inevitable? So when you're speaking about the age of Aquarius, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's a good And one. what we're experiencing now, I'm like, like, yeah. is there a, is free will? Yes. Could it not go with what is astrologically forecasted? Or is it always a part of the astrology? Well, we always have free will. I always tell anybody that, especially if I ever do a birth chart reading, which I don't do many, but I always say you, you have free will. But there there is there is this energy out there in the cosmos and we can't deny it. Now, the, now, the important part is that each energy is a low side and a high side. And so we have the free will to go high or low in yeah. many always, always in your individual life and as a collective. And so I really encourage people through astrology to learn what the high side is, especially when we're talking about these collective energies and go go for that. Like if you're ever reading anything about astrology and it scares you and makes you think that you're doom and gloom and like this horrible thing is going to happen or like, oh, it's going to be a really hard weekend. Da, da, da. Like don't, re- don't read that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, do to a certain extent to be aware of it. But if it's, if astrology is giving you anxiety, find, find some, find somebody else. It doesn't have to be me or my page, but find another astrologer that, that shows you the opportunities, right? Because mm-hmm. we all have, it's all opportunity. So you want to be aware of the low sides. You want to be aware of, you know, the lower energies of Aquarius, for instance, if they start showing up in your life um, and, and choose the high sides and listen to the people who tell you about the opportunities, how to use the energy to evolve, how to be aware of the potential downfalls, but to really hold in your collective vision, you know, this, this higher side, this higher vibration. And so we definitely have the choice to choose low side, high side. And I do personally believe in the power of the mind is greater than anything. And, you know, it is like a self-fulfilling prophecy. So if we all believe that this is going to happen, it's going to happen. You know, like one of the things about Mercury retrograde, it's like everybody believes now, like when Mercury retrograde happens, we're doomed. We're do- Everything's going to fail. And then it's like, well, of course, everything's failing because everybody's expecting it to. Mm-hmm. It's like everyone's favorite because it's the most negative. And it's just such a scapegoat. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> no, just like get your stuff together. Yeah, yeah, it is interesting how that's become a popular thing. Right. Because it's the low side. It's the low side. It's the, And there is an opportunity in Mercury Retrograde. Yeah. And like, for instance, when I talk about Mercury Retrograde, I do tell people what to be aware of you know, to be aware of the low sides, to be aware of the stuff that can go wrong. But then I always try and spin it for the high side and the opportunity and what is available to you during that transit mm-hmm. and, and what you can really gain from that and how it can help you evolve. Right? There's yeah. benefits to, to everything. And so, you know, it's our job as a collective to focus on these higher vibrations and these higher opportunities because they, they can be 
amazing. Mm-hmm. It, they can be absolutely amazing. And they are occurring. It's like Mercury retrogrades occurring, whether whether you subscribe to what it means or not, it it is occurring. Like mm-hmm. it's happening in the sky. Mercury appears like it's going backwards. It's not actually going backwards, but it appears like it's going backwards in our sky. So these things are happening. And so if you can, if you can use that to help you and help evolve society and help evolve yourself, like why, why not? Mm-hmm. But focus on the positive things, focus on the opportunities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess what within a retrograde is an opportunity? Well, Mercury is the planet of communications. Mm-hmm. And so during retrograde, retrograde spins that energy inwards. And so the opportunity is to really talk to yourself more, journal more, mm. um, dig a little deeper. Um, it also allows you to reprocess information that you heard, allows you to get closure on situations. Like there's, you know, there's a there's always the funny joke that your ex always appears during Mercury retrograde. Well, that's because there's some things that weren't said. You know, it's an opportunity for closure mm-hmm. or it's an opportunity to realize you don't need that person anymore in your life. <laughs> you're moving on. Right. Um, but there's an opportunity there, right? If your computer breaks um, or your meeting gets canceled, that's an opportunity to spend some time with yourself in reflection or maybe go connect with nature uh, or maybe understand like, what, why did this happen? Like when things go wrong, it, you, you always want to look at it like, what what did this bring me? What mm-hmm lesson did this bring me or what what can I now do with this time like this this miscommunication say it's something like you're supposed to have a meeting at two there's a miscommunication the person you're meeting thinks it's at four well now you have an extra two hours to work with like what can you do with that two hours what opportunity can you do that you couldn't have done if there wasn't miscommunication I think too, with going in, it's like you have less opportunity for the communication issues if you're really just with yourself. Right. You know, so it's also that too. I'm curious about how do specific signs and which part of our signs or our chart should we focus on when we're thinking about the seasons? So like, as an example, I'm a Pisces and in Pisces season, I was like thriving, like felt amazing. I was very much in my feels and then Aries season happened. And I've never actually experienced that consciously. I've never felt the seasons change and been like, oh, I like this and I don't like this. Mm -hmm. And when Aries season happened, I was like, oh, I actually hate Aries season. Like (laughs) I really hate this. And I've never consciously had that experience of being like, oh, I can tell the difference. Yeah. So which signs or which parts of our church do we focus on and how can we prepare ourselves or understand how we're gonna be affected by certain seasons? So this is a topic of like a book I'm going to write one day. Perfect. <laughs> You're welcome. Just determined today. I'm like, where do we start? Yes. Um, our number one question is, how does this affect me? Right. I mean, dude, honestly. How does this <laughs> Narcissism <laughs> society. One oh You're like, well, hold on. Let me answer. The moon's a yeah. Gemini. How does this affect me? You know, or it's Leo yeah. season. How does this affect me? Everybody it says it's Leo. Natural. It's that's a, the title of the book. Yeah. yeah. That is the title. Dude, that should be. It is. <laughs> dude. Um, so it's it's simple and complicated. So you need to understand your, your natal chart, first of all. So you... Whenever dealing with this, you want to understand what your natal chart is, have it on your phone, uh, have it on your computer screen, have it safe somewhere, print it out and put it on your wall. Um, So you you know, and your natal chart is a picture of the sky when you were born. And it's divided into 12 pieces, which are houses. And houses is one of those things that people's like eyes glaze over whenever I mention it, but they're really important to understanding how things affect you, especially when we're talking about like airy season for you, for instance. So like my first question for you would be like, well, where, what house does Aries govern for you? 
How do I know that? Charge, right? Uh-huh. So that's that's where we're going to start to like unravel some things. What, yes. are, um, what do you mean? I actually don't know what you mean by that. <laughs> See, you mentioned houses, the eyes. <laughs> what so, house does Aries govern? Yeah, so we have 12 houses and they each are, gov- they each make contact with a sign. They're governed by a sign. And so when you look at um, your natal chart, you can see, it depends what app you're using, um, but you can see on the outside. Oh yeah. So this is this how you one, get free readings from some of the best people in the world. <laughs> <laughs> you just ask them a quick little question. Yeah. So throw them your chart. Looking for Aries here. So Aries rules your eighth house. That's why you probably don't like it. Um, <laughs> What's, okay. So you look at which house but, the season is ruling. Right. Exactly. Smart. So that's, that's one way to do it. And so your eighth house is your house of growth. Okay. It's your personal growth. It also, it brings you things that are here to transform you. Mm. So it probably makes you uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So for every season for you is going to make you a bit uncomfortable. Um, and it's going to challenge you. And it's also going to ask you to um, end some things it's about cycles of our life. So we're dealing mm. with like death, mm. rebirth, all those things. So it's like what aspects of your life need to end so that new things can be reborn. So we're really in the realms of transformation here uh, with you in the eighth house with mm. Aries ruling it. Um, so Aries season for you is going to bring up, okay, where do I need to transform? Where do I need to, all that uncomfortable stuff we were yeah. just talking mm-hmm. about. So yeah. Aries season's like always going to be uncomfortable for you. That makes Sorry. sense. So then when I, so then when I go to, so then when, as you go through the seasons of the year, I could look at, say for an example, we're in cancer now. So I could look where, which house is cancer in? And then what does that house correspond to as far as what aspects of that house are important to me? And how does cancer play into that? Right? Yeah. So houses are areas of your life. Cool. So this is where it's going to show up. Okay, got it. Um, so your second house, for instance, is your house of, of resources. So when a sign is governing your second house, um, that season, for instance, is going to bring up stuff around finance, abundance, your possessions, your self-worth. Uh, that's where it's going to show up in your life. Your third house is communication. So when we're dealing mm-hmm. with a season that's governing your house of communication, things on that nature are going to come up. How are you speaking? How are you talking Mm -hmm. to yourself? How are you listening? How are you communicating with others? Um, So we really can understand almost all of astrology through our houses that way, even like a moon. So like a new moon will be transiting your house. So a new moon in Aries for you is transiting your eighth house, Mm. right? So that new moon energy is going to show up in the area of your house, in that eighth house. So if I had my cancer, as an example, in the season we are now in the second house, the new moon would transit the second house. Exactly. So then it would be amplified during that new moon period. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So whatever, if it was resources, if it was the second house, mm-hmm. that issue would be amplified during that time. Exactly. Got it. And since we all have all 12 houses. I'm the ghostwriter for the book. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we all, since we all have 12 houses and they're all governed by the 12 zodiac signs, we have all 12 zodiac signs within us. So you're mm-hmm. not just your sun yeah. sign. You're not just your moon sign. You're not just your rising sign. We have all those signs. Mm-hmm. Um, you have everything because you, even if a house has no planets in it, um, you still have that energy in that area of your life ruled by that house. And when the sun season comes, the sun is transiting that house for you. When the new moon comes, the new moon is transiting that house for you, meaning it's activating it. The, air, the energies of the sun season 
or the new moon um, or Jupiter, you know, when Jupiter enters Pisces, it's like, what what house does Pisces govern for you? Well, that's the energy that Jupiter is going to show up, right? That's mm. where that's where the energy of Jupiter is going to show up for you. Mm. Yeah, uh, it's a book. I'm telling that's you guys. How I, know. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm like, I, can't I have wait. so many questions. Um, <laughs> but it, I talk about this in all the full moon books. I talk about yeah. the house scopes. I talk about like the full moon in Aquarius, which is coming up. What house is that transiting for you? And then I give like horoscopes based on the house. Wow. Yeah. According to like either your sun, moon or rising or all three in your lifetime, is there a particular house that you are to focus on or is it all 12? It's all 12. Okay. Yeah, it's all 12. Now your sun is going to land in a house. Right. Your, your rising sign is always your first house. So oh. that begins oh, your wow. chart, right? So that's how it starts. So your rising sign is the sign that was rising on the horizon when you were born. Got it. And so that begins your chart. Wow. So okay. your rising sign always governs your first house. And then the rest of the signs follow in suit. That's why everybody's different, yeah. right? So, you know, Libra rising, if you're a Libra rising, Libra is going to govern your first house, which is your house of identity. That's your. That's what motivates you around your identity. That's why our first house, our ascendant, uh, rising and ascendant are the same. Um, our ascendant is like what we project to the world. It's what we, because it's our identity, right? It's what people think of when mm-hmm. they think of you because that's what you portray as your identity, is your rising sign. When you say like project to the world, that makes me think, yeah. oh, I... I not that I shouldn't be that, but that mm-hmm. I should work on actually cultivating who I really am. Is that true? Uh, n- no, I, it's yeah. I, I know some people do take it as negatively. It's not a negative. It's just what you allow people to see upon first impression. Got it. Mm-hmm. It's it's you know, I would have to get to know you mm-hmm. a lot more deeply to know your sun or to know your moon, um, your rising sign. I could probably guess after talking to you for five minutes. Sure. And it's not a bad thing. It's not like a mask you're wearing or you're hiding anything. It's just what you allow people to see about you. It's it's how you define your identity. It's your I statements. Mm. I actually got the, these confused. So I'm glad you're clarifying this because I thought like your rising was what you are becoming in this lifetime. And then your son was what you project to people. So I'm, yeah, I'm really actually glad that you're clarifying this. So <laughs> that then makes sense. Then yeah. your son, how would you define like your son's sign? Well, your son's your core personality. Core personality. Yeah. So your, uh. your son is your core personality. It's what holds you together. It's Got the it. center of your universe. Just like the sun is the center of, yes. of our solar system. Uh, the sun is the center of, of you. So it keeps you sane. Um, it also is who you who you really are at, at your center, which is, I always think, your heart. Um, but yeah, the rising sign, in many ways, I have heard that before, that it is something you're trying to learn or embrace, um, which in some ways that's somewhat true, in my opinion. Um, I know a lot of people would just say like, yeah, that's completely true. Um, but again, that's your identity, right? So that's what, mm. how you're putting yourself out there. And a lot of times that is something we have to learn, right? We have to learn mm. how we want to project our energy outwards because we don't, we don't always want to let people in right away. We don't always want people to know who we are right away. Um, especially if we're dealing with like 
um, you know, like business or, or somebody's mm-hmm. boss or, you know, that kind of thing. And it's like, what energy do you want to project out into the world that makes you effective, mm-hmm. right? That makes you um, help change the world or helps you be an agent of, of your intentions, right? Does yes. that make sense? Mm-hmm. Completely. And sometimes we don't know that. We don't understand what's the best energy for me to project outward so that I can accomplish my goals and I can help other people accomplish their goals. Mm-hmm. That's not always your, that's not always your moon sign, right? It's probably not your moon sign. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it may be part of your sun sign, um, but really it's your rising sign. And we do have to learn it and understand it. What's so the sense. moon again then? The moon is your emotional, your emotional body. So okay. it's your emotions. And that should be something that, I guess, how do you work with that? Uh, well, that's, so your emotions, it's kind of like your, your like it, if we're going to go to like yes. Freudian psychology, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So it's like your raw, um, no logic. There's just like pure emotion. Um, and you you work with it by being aware of it and holding space for it and understanding how it affects your conscious mind and your conversations, your interactions with yourself and with other people. But your emotional side, it's like, we don't want to just like squander it. We want to listen to it, right? We want to hold space for it. But we also want to understand it's not like always logical, right? <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like the it's like the kid having a tantrum in the supermarket, right? So yeah. <laughs> it's like, but we need to hold space for it and talk talk through it and, you know, talk to our emotions and understand them from the lens of our moon sign, right? So, you know, our moon sign, what's your moon sign, Krista? Sag. Sagittarius, right. Mm -hmm. Um, Sagittarius. And so Sagittarius is going to want, like, what fulfills your needs, right? Your your moon sign is very much like what fulfills your needs, um, your emotional needs. So for you, it's like when you're feeling um, maybe sad or you're feeling anxious, um, what's going to give you what you need? Sagittarius, take a trip somewhere, plan a mm. trip somewhere, get some new knowledge. Got it. Right? Mm. So it's like how we talk to that screaming child mm-hmm. within wow. us, right? So the moon wow. can sometimes be that like irrational child. And then we can talk to that child and give it what it needs so that it, it feels fulfilled through the lens of our moon sign. Mm. Does that make sense? Yes. It does, but it's also interesting because like as a Pisces son, I'm like, well, my son is so emotional. Mm -hmm. So it's hard because I'm like, well, maybe this is what you're alluding to earlier. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm like, it's like, so what's true? You know, who needs, like, does the child need to be consoled or is this like the depth of me? And actually, you know, I probably at this point have enough emotional wherewithal to understand what's fleeting and what's really true. But it is an interesting thing to think about when we think about the moon in that way of the emotions, if you are a more emotional sign already. Right. Yeah. I mean, our water signs are going to be our more emotional signs, right? Cancer, Scorpio, uh, Pisces. And so the core of your personality has more of an emotional hue to it. Uh, But it also has a much more intuitive hue as Mm -hmm. well, right? So uh, with emotions comes intuition. And so when I think of like Pisces, I don't, necessarily think of emotions, I think of intuitive knowledge, mm-hmm. universal wisdom. And so that's really the core of you. You know, your core personality dictated 
by your son is really to be intuitive and really to lean into more feminine principles of intuition, of receiving, of not trying to do and act so much, but realizing you are part of the universe and everything that you want is already part of you. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's your core. So that's what you return to. Again, your son is what holds you together. Um, So then when your emotions do flare, which are ruled by your moon sign, um, your son can come in and go, okay, like what's, what's going on here? You know, like Mm. what, what are you trying to say moon Um, emotional body? What are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to bring my attention to? And how can I use my core, my intuitive knowledge and my understanding of the way universal flow works, for instance, because Pisces like really understands like the flow of the universe uh, to kind of deal with my emotions. And then also what, what do I need, right? Whenever your emotions, what, what do I need? And your, your sun sign can help you kind of figure out what you need. Um, But through looking at your moon sign, Right. So for you, your intuitive Pisces sense is going to go, okay, my emotions are flaring. My moon sign says I need to travel because it's Sagittarius. I'm just oversimplifying this. It actually says a lot more, but my moon sign says I need to travel. Okay. I'm going to step back and use my intuition. What is my intuition telling me? Like, should I book a trip to Tahiti right now? Or should I just like go to the mountains to be alone? Or do I need people around me? Mm. That's, you can, you can inform the decision more from your core sign. Mm, that makes that. sense. Yeah, no, that makes so actually a, a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. I loved what you said. With emotions comes intuition. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really beautiful quote and like really liberating for any sign mm-hmm. and, and women in general, you mm-hmm. know, to remember that. And I'm going to steal that and mark it as my own. <laughs> <laughs> it is my new quote. <laughs> <on the page. laughs> well, it does. Like, I always think like the emotions are the doorway. You know, because we feel our intuition. It's felt. Our intuition is, we feel it the same way we feel anxiety. You know, Mm -hmm. it's a felt thing. Yes. Um, And so in order to feel our intuition, we have to feel. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when we feel, we feel everything. Mm -hmm. You can't just say, oh, I'm only going to feel the good stuff. Mm -hmm. It's like all or nothing. And I guess feeling is different than identifying as the Mm -hmm. emotion. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, I think I'm, I'm, because I love how you said it. It was- That's such a Gemini moon statement. <laughs> yeah. It really is. Because <laughs> yes. it's, I can definitely get caught up in my emotions and identify as them. I think I've gotten yeah. much better over time at identifying. Right. Or like identifying when that's happening. But the way you're explaining it is, it's like almost creating space to have like a conversation of sorts right. with the emotion and really asking it- what it needs. And yeah, yeah, it's just, it it makes much more sense to me. I think if we just quickly on that, if we think about when we're children and when we have kids, you say, I am sad. I am angry. You Mm -hmm. are, I am, I am, I am to the feelings. And it should be, I feel Mm -hmm. sad. Mm -hmm. I feel angry. Right. Right. And we identify with those things because we, we say that we are them. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. And you're not, you're not your emotion. Yeah. You're your son. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're not, yeah. you're not your, your emotions and you want to talk through them. Um, I've actually learned so much from my own a- actual son who's a toddler um, and helping him explore his emotions because toddlers have tons of emotions. And, you know, I, I say, say to him, like, you seem to be feeling frustrated right now. You know, what do you need for support? 
And like, he doesn't really understand that, but it's starting yes. this like yes. ba- this foundation. Yes. Um, and, but that's also how you can talk to yourself and yes. your own emotions, you know, like, dear Lindsay, you seem mm-hmm. like you're feeling frustrated right now. What do you need for support? Mm-hmm. Love that. You know, what else have you learned from Bodhi? <laughs> Two-year-old. Wow. Learned so much from Bodhi. What are his signs? Just curious. Um, he is a Leo He did son. that on purpose. Yeah. He's a Leo son. He's a Leo. I'm a Leo. My husband's a Leo. So no way. Oh, happening. <laughs> We're all Leo. I love that. Okay. I know. And he's a Leo moon. Wow. Yeah. And he is a Sag rising. Cool. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Powerful. Very fiery. Powerful. Super fiery guy. <laughs> so he he does cry more. I noticed when he was a baby on the Leo new moon, people are always asking me, do I feel uh, the moon more intensely when it's in my sign? And according to my son, you absolutely do because he doesn't know, he knows nothing about astrology. And I, he definitely cries more when the moon's in Leo. Mm. So he's feeling his emotions way more when the moon is in Leo, which is his moon sign. So oh, I'm gonna have to say yes a spirit to that. daughter, <laughs> parent guide. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, honestly. <laughs> right in time for our kids. <laughs> wow, yeah. that's cool. Yeah, but yeah, no, it's it's a journey of patience with, with uh, a baby for sure. With two, a two-year-old mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah. that's so beautiful. Yeah, no, it's amazing. It's an amazing experience. Um, are there any other things for the second half of the year that people can be aware of? The first, the first half has really gone kind of crazy for us. So not crazy, but we've had, we've had a lot happen already um, for this first half of the year. We have another Mercury retrograde coming up uh, in the fall um, in Libra. So that will happen. And then we have Venus retrograde at the end of the year in December and that's interesting because that's part of a, a larger cycle. So with that, you really want to think about with Venus retrograde. It's kind of like going in, reassessing what you love in life, reconnecting with what you love, feeling into where you want to go and how you want to create beauty in your life and in your world. So that's going to be very interesting. That's going to take us into 2022. And then we also have Jupiter re-entering Pisces. So Jupiter dipped into Pisces, went into retrograde, is heading back to Aquarius. Um, and then we'll head back to Pisces where it will be for five months. So the greater part of uh, 2022. And Jupiter and Pisces is like this amazing transit. It just feels so good for us and expands us. And um, Jupiter is the traditional ruler of Pisces. Neptune's the modern. Um, so it's at home, really, in Pisces. And mm. Jupiter is this planet of expansion. And it'll really help us access our dreams, feel what's possible, trust life again, trust the timing of our life. So really, it's like December. I feel like there's going to be like a lot of shifting in the collective towards love, towards expansion, towards feeling feeling okay again because people still don't feel quite okay right now and that that is coming that's definitely coming in December where people are just going to like relax they're going to mm. be back in the flow they're going to be like ah oh, a, a sigh of relief mm. a sigh of relief is coming why don't we hear much about neptune <laughs> do you know what i mean yeah, totally. Dude, it's all it's always I Mercury. Think about that all the time. Saturn, <laughs> Jupiter. We don't hear much about Neptune. Well, it stays in a sign for a long time. So it's not like leaving signs very frequently. It's currently in Pisces. It goes into retrograde every year. Because it's before um, Pluto. It's it's what? Before Pluto? It's Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars. 
uh, Jupiter, Jupiter, Saturn, Saturn Uranus, yeah. Neptune. Uranus. Okay. Pluto. Yeah. Planet uh, X. What, yeah. <laughs> Remember Planet X? Yeah. Nope. When we were in like grade school, they're like, we discovered another planet after Pluto and it's Planet X. Yeah. Oh, no. And, and that was a like It became a moon or something? Yeah. Well, or Pluto got downgraded. Pluto got downgraded to like a dwarf planet. A dwarf planet. Oh. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> we still like Pluto. Yeah. Pluto's like, Pluto's fierce. He's like small but mighty. Yes. He's like very fierce. But yeah, we don't hear a lot about Neptune. I feel like Neptune's a little misunderstood. Um, it's the ruler. It's the modern ruler of Pisces. Maybe that's why you're asking about it. Um, and it's currently retrograde. Um, Neptune retrograde is interesting because Neptune rules our dreams. So when it goes retrograde, we can say, okay, like what are our actual dreams and visions and what are just like fantasies that we're using mm. to distract ourselves from what we're supposed to be doing? Because, you, you know, like you have those fantasies like I'm going to like run off to like yes. Costa Rica and you know go live in the woods or something with my baby and not talk to anybody yes. and delete Instagram. You know that's like a fantasy yes. that I have. Yes, yes. It's not like a dream. Like when we talk about yes. like, dreams and visions, it's different. Yeah, you know, the fantasy is what we use to just like distract ourselves. Yes, the escapism. <laughs> so Neptune retrograde helps us really recognize like what the fantasy is versus the dream. Interesting. Wow. So, so what is um? So sorry. What is Neptune's? Can you repeat for me? What is Neptune's goal? Or you know, Saturn is like Saturn and Jupiter each have their own very specific that people right. know about Mercury's communication. What is Neptune's dreams? Dreams, dreams, okay. and visions. And wow. so Neptune's currently retrograde. Saturn's currently retrograde, and we'll have these until like the fall. So yes. that's one of the things that we we're going into like our classic retrograde season. Um, so a lot of planets are going to, are going to be spinning their energy inward. Yeah. Um, we have Uranus retrograde starting, uh, mid August. Um, and so that, that allows us, Uranus, Uranus shakes things up, right? So mm-hmm. we have Mercury communication. Mercury helps us talk about things, information exchange. Um, that's why Mercury retrograde, everything goes haywire in the communication department. Venus, planet of love and beauty. Venus helps us. It's how we love also helps us identify with what we find beautiful in the world um, and really bring that beauty into our world. It governs Libra. So that's why Libra, um, Venus also governs Taurus. So that's why there's like an aesthetic art component. My Venus is in Taurus. Mm. Yeah. 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 So that's like an aesthetic art component. Your Venus is happy in Taurus. Because Venus, yeah. Mm. Anyway. <laughs> um, My husband and- is a Taurus. Mm. Yeah, oh, yeah. There you go. That's so yeah, Venus. So how you love is Taurus. Mm-hmm. That's why you're married to a Taurus. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love it when it works out like that. I know <laughs> his Venus is in Pisces. Oh, oh really? Wow, that's perfect. Wait, that's yeah. I love that. Yep. Yeah. yeah, When you're doing matches, by the way, like relationship stuff, um, you you can look at Sun compared to Sun. But I always like to look look at Venus compared to Venus. Got it. Uh, Venus placement and Venus placement and moon placement and moon placement. Like they so should certain, be the same or different? D- well, different they can be different, but it's like moon compatibility. Yeah. Got it. You know what's interesting? So instead of saying like, I'm a Leo, how do I get along with a Leo? It's like, well, my moon's in Scorpio. How do I get along with a moon? Oh, I forgot Virgo. your moon was in Scorpio. You know what's sure. interesting is looking at the planets, it's like from Mercury to Pluto, it's like almost like an ascension path. It's like, cause we end with death and transformation with Pluto and we start with like communication. It's like, this is how you live as a human on earth. You need to communicate. And then we kind of move through to like beauty. Like now we appreciate beauty. Now we move on to love. We have earth in here. And it's almost like you're walking through like how we ascend as humans. Right. And then Mars is like, Mars is traditionally like planet of war. 
but just yes. <laughs> duality. But also like passion yes. and lust and mm. like we, like what are you willing to fight for? Yes. Mm. You know, and that's that's what your Mars is really about. We don't have a Mars retrograde this year, which is great. Mars retrograde really stirs things up. And that happened last year and that really, really created yeah. um, some some fires, literally. Um, so, you know, we don't have Mars retrograde this year. So we've got that going for us. Um, but yeah, and then, you know, we keep going. And so is Saturn's rules and structure mm-hmm. and like living in a society. Yep. Um, and then, you know, we get to oh, Jupiter. We skip Jupiter. Jupiter. Expansion, which is Jupiter is almost a sun. It's, yes. Yeah, it was gigantic. Wow. Um, and Jupiter is represents our willingness to like take a leap mm. and also shows us our potential. So we look at Jupiter in the chart and it's like, okay, that's where your potential is. Wherever, whatever sign and house Jupiter is falling in in your chart, that's your potential. And so when Jupiter goes into retrograde, um, which it is right now, that's, that's like, that's what always dictates the second half of the year is like all the retrogrades. Mm-hmm. So Jupiter which is retrograde, really spins that inward. So it teaches us to understand that happiness is an inside job and really like looking within to see where we're blocking our expansion, where we're blocking our potential. How are we selling ourselves short? Where are we not like living mm. up to what we could be, right? Because we're always, um, we're, we're always given opportunities to expand and sometimes we don't take them because we're afraid of success or we're afraid of how other people around us are going to feel or all kinds of fears come into play. Like, will this be too hard? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the up level is is difficult. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it is. But Jupiter, so Jupiter retrograde really asks us, okay, well, like what's blocking us, right? So that's, we're going to be working with that energy um, for some time here. Uh, and then, yeah, Saturn rules responsibility. When we look at Saturn in a chart, it's like, okay, that's where you feel responsible, right? So that's where- I think um, Saturn's in house, Capricorn. Yeah, okay, that makes sense, mm. yeah. So you feel responsible to work. I do. Yeah, you're Sag. always going to work a lot. Oh, you feel responsible to embracing new knowledge and hmm, perhaps sharing one. it mm. with others, right? So, mm-hmm. And it's also going to be where you see your karma. In oh, yeah. Saturn? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah, Sarma- Saturn is the Lord of Karma. Saturna. <laughs> wow. They say that Saturn is where bad aliens live. <laughs> they say it's, it's going to be por- part two. the portal for bad aliens. <laughs> That's all I'll say. And then Uranus breaks everything up because, you know, mm. before telescopes, we had no idea Uranus existed. Mm-hmm. So people discovered Uranus and they were like, whoa, like that really... That really, you know, challenges everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that's why before Uranus was found, was discovered, Saturn ruled both Capricorn and Aquarius. Oh, wow. But I guess discovered with telescope by modern man, but it was probably documented historically. Uh, well, it was discovered by modern man 1781. Huh? And yeah, by a telescope. Huh. Mm-hmm. Would, was it not William written Herschel. like, was it not like I, written I just read, I just, or I documented remember. like from a historical perspective over the years? So yeah. we just had, we in stopped a, it. In astrology, there was no Uranus until wow. they, they didn't even, even after it was discovered, they didn't start attributing it in astrology as um, like the ruler or even your house placement or anything like that until the late 1800s, early 1900s. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So until the late 1800s, uh, Saturn ruled both Capricorn and Aquarius. There oh, was no interesting. Uranus. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yep. But and we had Pluto. No, there was no, 
Okay, we There stopped. was no Uranus. Um, there was no Neptune and there was no Pluto. Whoa. And, tr- and that's why traditional astrologers sometimes don't even consider those planets. Uh. So for instance, Pisces, traditional rulers, Jupiter, modern rulers, Neptune. So Jupiter ruled Pisces for X Is that Vedic? Years. Would that, that be the difference between Vedic astrology? No, just some astro- some Western astrologers are just traditional. There's some astrologers that are just like, nope, Jupiter is still a ruler of Pisces. We're not wow. even considering Neptune. What is Vedic astrology? Vedic astrology, um, it's very different. Yeah. Um, it's like, if you look at a Vedic chart, it's square. So it's mm. still, it still involves mm-hmm. planets, but it, it involves, it talks much more about like lunar nodes. And then they have these other placements. I forget what they're called off the top of my head. Um, it, that they put a lot of a lot of emphasis on, and it's very much more predictive than Western astrology. So I use astrology more as like this is how you can evolve. This is your opportunities for growth. These are issues that could come up in your life. This is how to deal with them. Whereas um, Vedic is much more like you're going to fall ill at this year at this time, <laughs> or you're going to get married this time at this year. Um, Whoa! So it's much more predictive. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's cool. It's it's a similar system, but also completely different. Wow. Yeah. I know. I get like confused as to what I can. And you're and you're believe. a different person. You're, I'm not a different person, but you're a you're different, different sign. sign yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that would confuse like, me. I think I'm a, a Virgo. I can see that. Vedic. Yeah. <laughs> um, we talked a little bit before about what you guys are working on now, which is so exciting. And you talked a little bit about manifestation oracle cards. Mm-hmm. And I would love to talk a little bit about manifestation and how you use the rituals that you have in the cards and then also astrology to manifest. You ask the big questions. <laughs> it's a hard day at almost 30. Pop quiz, baby. Show us why you're the best. <laughs> well, okay. So lunar cycle, we use lunar cycle, right? To help us set intentions, to manifest those intentions. So on the new moon, which is what the new moon workbooks are all about, is writing your intentions for that lunar cycle. So your intentions are like your visions, right? Your goals, Uh, not necessarily goals. It's more like a lifestyle. You're going to embrace uh, what you see um, happening in six months, a year, whatever time frame you want, um, your intentions of your life. And so we put those out into the world. Uh, Two weeks go by, we have the full moon, right? And the full moon helps us do the work to manifest those intentions. And so manifestation is bringing those intentions into reality. So taking those visions, taking those dreams and making them real. Like how do we actually make them concrete so that they are our lives? They're no longer just visions. They're the lives that we're living every single day. So in order to manifest our visions, we normally have to do some work, right? It's it's very rare that you can just be like, this is what I'm going to do. And then poof, it appears. You, some people are that powerful, but you know, usually we have to go within, we have to do some shadow work. We have to clear out some blocks within us, some self-doubt, some limiting beliefs. We have to evolve ourselves in some way. We have to believe that it's actually possible. We might have to do some actual work, like setting up a podcast studio, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> manifesting, calling in the, a lot. for me, it's like very much about calling in, like manifesting, calling in the perfect person to design your podcast studio or to find it in the first place, right? So a lot of it's like an energetic attunement, right? So in order to really manifest our intentions, like how can we vibrate at the same frequency of them? And so getting into that vibrational frequency is what what takes the work, 
right? So how do we get into that frequency of abundance, for instance? Like say you want your intention is to create a business that's abundant and can support the lifestyle you want to live. How do you get into that frequency, you know, to manifest that? And so uh, the manifestation cards that we created really help you every day work with your intentions. Uh, So they're geared around um, little, little short practices. So you pull a card, you know, maybe it says like, let go. And so, you know, you do a little practice that's in the book. It has a companion book with it um, that helps you figure out, okay, what do I need to let go to tune my energy to to manifest my intentions, right? So it helps you along the way because we have the we have the new moon. Two weeks later, we have the full moon. Two weeks later, we have the new moon. There's a lot of space in between in between new and full moon. And so every day you can write in the daily and the journal that we just put out as well. And you can pull your card for the day and that can help you that day work with your intentions and do the work you need to on your own energy, your own frequency, mm. um, your own whatever it is you need to work on to manifest, to bring your visions into life and to live the life that that you're worthy of, right? Mm. That you deserve. That is your potential. Mm. Love that. So Did powerful. that answer your large yes. question? Okay, and good. so this is, this deck is. <laughs> Did that answer your large question? <laughs> so this deck is available now. Uh, or mid July. It is coming. Great. Yeah, soon. it is coming. But right soon. now we got Amazing. the the daily journal. Right now we have the daily, which yeah. is powerful. I loved mm-hmm. hearing just your inspiration for that, and I feel like I have my journal that I use. It's not like a five minute one, but I'd love to hear about the daily journal. Uh, the daily we we just launched um, a little less than a month ago. And that is based on my personal practice. And so one of the questions we noticed with coming up all the time, along with how does this affect me, was, Jill, what's your morning practice? Everybody wanted to know what I was doing in the morning. And my morning practice is pretty simple. I meditate every morning. Um, I get up pretty early. I meditate before the baby gets up. Um, And I always written a gratitude list. And then I do this practice, the five-five. And I've literally done this for 15 years. I have journals and journals and journals of this practice. And it's a very simple list. It's just five things you want to do for the day and uh, five things you want to do for your life. And so you can look back and see like the themes that are coming up on the to-do list. You can kind of see like, how do you feel about your day? It's like a barometer for like, do I like my life? Do I need to change something? Am I liking everything I'm doing for the day? I'm not liking anything at all. Like what needs to shift? And then the five things you want to do in your entire life um, is more about like looking it over and seeing like, okay, well, what do I want to write my intentions around? What do I want to manifest? What themes are coming up? Am I writing like I want to sail around the world every day? Well, maybe I should buy a boat and learn how to sail, that kind of thing. So that comes up on mine almost every day. So sail around the world. (laughs) (laughs) I want to see you on the sea. And you know, you can look back. Like I look back and and, um, I can see things come. Like Beyond Oprah has been on that list for like 10 years. So, Oprah, if you're listening. This is it. She does. She does. Yeah. We're number one in her list. But like, that's something I really want to do. You know, it's like, it helps you hone in because like we have different dreams. We have different visions. We're allowed to change, but some things are going to stay constant. And, and this practice helps you see the constant thread of your dreams throughout your life. So that list of what I'm doing today yeah, it's kind of like a to-do list. It's kind of like a to-do list, but you have to limit it. The challenge is to limit it to five because you know our to-do list can get like yeah. pages long. Like five things you have to do today, so it keeps you it keeps your priorities really on track. Got it. And um, it's like it, shave my legs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and also it could just be like relax, do yeah. yoga, feel content. 
you know, it's like there can be like creative things in Got there it. as well. It's not just like do a podcast with these chicks. Sure, <laughs> sure. That makes sense. Um, but, you know, it's it's it can include other things like that. But the point is, is that you you limit it to five. You know your priorities. It Even if you don't look at the list again, it's like in the back of your mind throughout mm. the day. It really keeps you on track. But then you also know if you like your life or not. Like, do you like that list every day? Mm-hmm. You know, are you dreading that list? Like, how do you feel about? Do you need like to a little change mirror something? every morning? Wow. Yeah, and then and then there's some like bonus uh, mantra uh, material in there, and some like night questions as well Beautiful. in the journal. Yeah, but I love it. I kind of created it for myself because I literally have a stack of like 15 journals with with these lists in them. I'm like, I need just a pre printed form. It's just like a blank form you fill out. I'm like, I love this for myself. Beautiful. (laughs) Yeah. And anything you create is just so beautiful and so supportive in people's every day. Yeah. It's, it's really incredible. And I, yeah, I wouldn't go to anyone else for. Yeah. Your writing (laughs) is crazy. Thank you. I write a lot. You write a lot. I write a lot. That's usually my answer when people are like pinging me. I'm writing, leave me alone. Yeah, <laughs> it's true too. It's dreaming. There's so much in here. Last question for me. What do you think about, there's so many astrologers out there. What do you think about you as it relates to your chart that makes you so successful? Like you've really managed to scale a really successful business that has tangible impact in the world. What do you think about you makes you like stand out? I'm a Leo. <laughs> I, I have I have four cosmic bodies uh, in Leo at the top of my chart in my 10th house, which is the house of career. Mm. So I was sort of, I was in a way like born to be seen yes. mm-hmm. in the public mm-hmm. in some way yep. and to lead, yep. right? Leadership, Leo, wow. and be vulnerable. I actually am really diving into vulnerability and learning how to be a leader much more. Mm -hmm. I started working with an executive coach just for this um, purpose and learning how to lead with vulnerability and, you know, really show up the best I can be as a leader for other people in the community. Also like our org, like all all that stuff. So it's something I love to dive into and work with. and, And I think it has helped me make me successful. I also have a moon in Scorpio, um, which has caused a lot of friction and tension in my life. It, it's like a square aspect to all that stuff in, in Leo and, and squares, 90 degree angles cause tension in your life. So I've been through a lot. I've been through a lot, which is also another book. There mm-hmm. might be a memoir. I think that book's going to get me on Oprah, that the memoir book. Go. Just telling you, calling there it. There we go. Yes. Uh, but <laughs> you said it here. So I've been through a ton mm. in my life. Like, so I don't even talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, just so much. And so I have a lot to draw from as far as like pain and rebirth mm. and transformation um, and all those things and all these practices that I've written in my journals and I, I give to others. I've done and I've done them through some of the most terrible times of my life, sometimes at 3 a.m. in the morning on the full moon when I couldn't sleep and I'd get up with my dog and my tea and I'd do, do a practice. And now it's in a book for other people. So I have a lot of material to, to draw on. Um, and I've, I've always been interested in um, psychology. I have my master's in psych. And, and I feel like I was sort of born into this world to do work on myself because I'm interested in it. And then I like have all these situations that require me to do work on myself to get over them and deal with them and process them. And so then I draw on all of that and my Leo steps in and goes, okay, like, and instead of just like sitting 
in your Scorpio self in your house in your cave and not talking to anybody because that's what my moon Scorpio wants to do is hide. My Leo's like, nope, you're going to go on Instagram and you're going to tell everybody about it. And hopefully you're going to look good doing it. Fix your hair. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, I can't that. wait for that memoir. Yeah. Um, this One day. Was, One day. Yes. When I get more time to write. Yes. I, you know. <laughs> I don't know how you do it. I'm like, can't you just use some info from before? That's as hard as you can't like, you can't, can't you just like use it something It changes. Fresh? And I always like feel guilty. Like I have yeah. recycled like some of the yoga and the meditation because I'm like, I can't rewrite the yoga yes. section every time because it's the same stuff. But no, it's it's always different because mm-hmm. it changes and there's different aspects. Like sometimes Jupiter's in retrograde. Sometimes it's not during the new moon and cancer. Um, or, you know, there's just different things that happen, um, different placements. And then the world's different. I write these books two months in advance and I feel like any further out, I would get out of touch with yeah, what was actually sure. going on in yeah. the world. And do you just sit and write like it is within you or do you have resources that you tap into mm-hmm. as you write? I just sit and write wow. generally. Like, it's like I look at other astrologers' Instagrams. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, that is, that is a gift. I know. Truly. Yeah, I just sit. I just Do you sit use like a book, write. like an astrology book to kind of like look at aspects and numbers and stuff? I'll use, um, I'll use like Planet Watcher yeah. um, and I'll pull the chart. And sometimes I'll like pull books that like have nothing to do with astrology. Like I remember writing the cancer book. Um, I have like, I have bookshelves of books at my office. I have so, I have tons of books. And I remember looking over at my bookshelf and I saw that book, um, Messages of, of Water. Mm-hmm. You know that one? Yeah, yeah. My, I know. Ishimoto or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And oh. it's like the pictures yes. of the yes. water crystals. Yeah. When yes. you, um, when you sh- and I had that book. And um, I I read parts of that book and I was and I was like I just felt like I needed that inspiration and none mm. of that's in cancer, um, but it like it helped me oh, that's like beautiful. just get into the Watery. energy the energy Absolutely. the hidden right. messages in water it's by hidden messages in water Masaro yeah. Emoto mm-hmm. it's like really we'll about it a lot really beautiful yeah so I'll they do call that. it a pseudoscientific kind of idea mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But I'll try and get into like the vibe or sometimes I'll do like things like my husband always laugh at me because I remember I'm writing like Sagittarius. I'll do, I'll go somewhere different. Mm. I once wrote the one Sagittarius this a couple of years ago. I wrote it in the car, parked in the driveway <laughs> in Joshua Tree. And I, I and that. I was like totally blocked in writing it. And like we pulled up, we were meeting some friends out there and I just, I was like, I, I've got it. I've got Sagittarius. And I just sat there wow. and wrote the whole thing in wow. the car while everybody else is like partying, you know? And I'm like in the car writing <laughs> I Sagittarius. Love that. <laughs> wow. You're like, driving. so sometimes I have to like switch it up, like go yes. to a mm-hmm. different scene or a different vibe. Like I write mostly from the office, but sometimes I'll like have to write at my house or I'll go to like Cafe Gratitude and write mm-hmm. or like just need to switch it up. Wow. It's amazing. We're so excited. So the dailies are out now. The Oracle cards are on the way. And then the monthly books are journals for the seasons of each parts of the year, which are incredible. And that's spiritdaughter.com. Yep. Right. Yeah. Spiritdaughter.com. You are amazing camp speaker too. So we have our camp session on our website for our members. Um, But really appreciate you. We like love working with you. you. Can't wait for our retreat next year. (laughs) Yeah. I love working with you guys. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. All right, guys. We'll see you later. Love you. Bye. Bye.